0: Hi, right, welcome to the Asking for a Friend podcast. Uh, glad you guys are here with us. I'm William Colley, your executive pastor. I'm here with your lead pastor, Benjamin Kimfer. What's going on, friends? Hey, this is the uh, special Hurricane,
1: Hurricane Michael edition of the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope that you guys are all staying safe, and perhaps as you're listening to this, there's a storm blowing through, in which case, uh,
0: good luck. Yeah, or you're on the road traveling somewhere and and getting out of town. But we, as Tallahassee locals, will be here riding this thing out. So hopefully it'll be all right. Um, But hey, thank you guys for submitting your questions. Um, We really appreciate it. We got a lot of questions this week. And fortunately, we won't be able to get to all of them. uh, But we're excited to hit on the the ones that we got.
1: Yeah, lots of great questions. Keep them rolling in. And we're going to try to continue to answer as many as we can.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's jump right in. Uh, Question number one. Um, I think this is a good one, but uh, can you expand on some of the application of Sunday's sermon?
1: Yeah, so the if you weren't there on Sunday or if you haven't listened to the podcast, I'd really recommend going back and looking at the essence of it is uh, how men, you know, Christian men, ought mm-hmm. to uh, look at, think about, and treat women. And there's a cultural lie that we've bought into that essentially is women are commodities and women are objects— And uh, the commodity is something that you uh, acquire, you use until Mm. you've taken all its value or you find something more valuable. And then you kind of, you know, give it back and get the new one, get the better one, get the more valuable Uh, in how the kingdom of God and how Christians ought to view women as Really, the exact opposite. Yeah. Fact, this was kind of one of the hallmarks of the early church that there was this honor, uh, there was this value, this, mm-hmm. there was this sacrifice for women. Uh, you know, Jesus gave a blanket statement to uh, a new commandment: "I give you John thirteen: love one another." Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not gender specific, which would have been very different from them because for them uh, in their culture, women were a commodity. I mean, mm-hmm. they were, they, we went into a lot of detail, but just the the succinct version is: women were very commoditized and. He said, "Hey, you are to love everyone. You were to love them as I have loved you." In fact, Paul expounds on that and says, "Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her sanctification, mm-hmm. when the church was not lovable. Uh, so the idea behind it is, is men, we are to honor, to love, to serve uh, our wives uh, covenantally, but just generally, all women, because they are also, as First Peter talks about, you know, co-heirs uh, with us in Christ in that we are, you know, they're God's children too and have just as much value and worth and all that. Um, So the application that we talked about, there were were a couple points of application. Uh, The application that we talked about uh, was really, in part, accountability, right? I mean, guys, a lot of us uh, have or maybe for a lot of us are currently struggling uh, with viewing sexually explicit material, Uh, Mm -hmm. and so it was to find accountability. Uh, The second one, uh, which was kind of another step forward, is – Perhaps for you, you're so inundated with this message of the objectification and commoditization of women that you need to pay attention to what you're listening to, you know, written mm-hmm. anything off your playlist. And for some folks, you know, it's just you need to stop dating for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the, the recap. No, sorry. Remind me again, what was the question?
0: <laughs> so uh, can you expand on maybe some of the application uh, for the sermon on Sunday?
1: Yeah, so... <clears throat> So beyond that, the application gets really nuanced. And even some of that application is nuanced. But let me tell you the principle behind thinking through how do I apply this okay. to yeah. uh, my life. The The principle is be a student of yourself. Hmm. Be a student of yourself. So everyone is different. What What happens too often with guys is there's a broad stroke of, oh, so this is the application when it comes to uh, commoditization, objectification, sure. yeah. purity, lust, things like that. Um, but everybody's different. so. By be a student of yourself, I mean we all work in patterns. Mm-hmm. Kind of how life works, how human uh, nature is. For some of us, that means you have a pattern that every night before you go to bed, you view sexually explicit material. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time you hang out with your girlfriend late at night, and it's just you two, you have a pattern. So it's paying attention to, to the patterns in your life, being a student of yourself, and saying where is the the most common and place in my life that I have a habit and yeah. a tendency to return back to, and then address those. So again, for you, it could be don't go home uh, when nobody else is home. It could be that you put safeguards on your computer. It could be that you don't hang out with her by yourself. Uh, and shoot, for you, it might be something where you have, you have an addiction or addictive-like qualities, right? Because basically pornography has addictive like Mm -hmm. qualities and tendencies and in a lot of ways that fills a void of intimacy and connection so it might be for you even hey you need to go talk to a counselor or a therapist like that's okay that the point is is holiness but it's being a student of yourself as you sift through and say what are the patterns in my life and what are the ways that i can start to address some of those almost kind of of the low-hanging fruit in terms of where i habitually and repetitively sin
0: yeah for sure yeah it it, I also think about, like, when you talked about the the second point from the sermon of, of maybe there's some music you need to stop listening to. Maybe there's some shows you need to stop watching.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: maybe there's a little Game of Thrones you need to, like, uh, you know— Lay on the altar. Right. (laughs) uh, Lots of
1: people just got convicted on that statement.
0: (laughs) I'm not a Game of Thrones watcher, so I can just, like, throw it under the bus Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I got you. And the other thing I would say, too, in this is—and this is is honestly one of the biggest points of application or clarification that I would give Uh to uh, really kind of going after and seeking holiness and purity and non-objectification—is making sure that you are engaging in the battle. What Mm. I see all too often with guys is you fall— you make a mistake. Yeah. You look at it again. You go too far again. You whatever it is that you do, you do it and you feel defeated. You feel yeah. failure. You feel shame. You feel guilt. And so what ends up happening is we we basically stop fighting. Yeah. Right. It becomes this. I'm never going to get over it. I'm never going to defeat it. I'm mm-hmm. never going to beat it. And so we call it our struggle. But if we're all being honest, it's not really a struggle. It's just a something we've capitulated to at this point and it's repetitive so i would say fellas don't give up stay in the fight engage in the battle um falling making a mistake isn't failure Mm -hmm. it only is failure unless if if it stays that way yeah at which point it it becomes a real problem
0: yeah don't want losing the fight uh have satan win the war Yeah, exactly um, all right. So moving on to question number two, um, how do I be open about my past relationships slash sexual sin with the person I'm now dating? So I think this is a really good question and probably a question, you know, especially from Sunday, a lot of people, you know, they feel challenged, you know, Hey, I'm in this relationship. I have this past you know, how is somebody able to be open about their past uh, that, you know, is obviously a little bit of an awkward situation with, with the person they're dating now?
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> that is a really good question. Um, <clears throat> so here's the, here's the caveat to this. There is no, like, this is exactly how and when and what you say in this conversation. So I'm yeah. going to give you some general guidelines and parameters. That I did I
0: think... go to Ricardo's last night, and there was a ton of, like, DC couples there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: I would say uh, so, and it's all basically there, there's a level that you are trying to figure out what's the appropriate, yeah. what's the appropriate, and by appropriate I mean one, um, the appropriate time, and by time I mean timing in the relationship. So mm-hmm. this is this is not something that you. Uh, you want to go full into on your third date, anything like that. (laughs) Now, you can you can allude to stuff if if you need to put up safeguards and parameters to say, hey, you know, I've got a past and I'm not, you know, uh, I don't walk into this relationship with the most pure past. And so for me to be smart and to be wise, we just can't, you know, go to your house, go to my house, hang out one on one, for sure. whatever it is, you know, you can kind of preface it without going a lot of detail. But when you actually go to have a conversation to disclose real information about your past, Mm -hmm. I think that needs to be. Be far enough along into the relationship to where there is a real sense of seriousness and pursuit and mm. taking this to the next level, but not waiting too long mm. because at some point it can feel to the other person like you have been withholding this information, like almost like you lied to them yeah, by omission. Yeah. You know, so I would say the appropriate time, uh, the second one, and this is really important: the appropriate information. Mm. What I've seen and the mistake I've seen made is. You care about this person, and you really want to be truthful with them. You really want to be honest with them. And yeah. in doing that, you over-disclose details to the point where you feel better, but it's actually unhealthy for this other person. Hmm. You feel the sense of transparency, and you feel a weight off your shoulders. But now the other person has such this – I mean – in, in don't get me wrong like you want you want to have clarity in it yeah, but yeah. You, are, you disclose so many so much information, so many details this other person now um, is comparing themselves to the other person that and the people that you've been with yeah, and that's a good point. and it just can get really wonky. And so uh, the general idea behind that is you want to be clear about your past. you want to be clear about what you've done and, mm-hmm. and your patterns and, and all that. but you don't want to be so detailed and descriptive. That it really becomes detrimental to the relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the last one, it's actually interesting. And I, and I think that this one is really easily overlooked, but it's the appropriate setting. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that obviously, you're not gonna have this in that Chick fil A next to you know, your <laughs> two best friends. So you know one-on-one setting w- would make sense. But uh, actually what I've seen happen in the past is as couples have disclosed this, this is a very intimate conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's an intimate conversation regarding uh, sexual content, and any time that happens, it develops a connection. So I've seen couples who have had this conversation, have heard of, and talked afterwards to couples who have had conversations like these, mm-hmm. and... After the conversation, there was just such a sense of connection and intimacy that they went too far physically afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're having this conversation, also probably not the right setting, Uh, probably a bad setting would be if you're a guy at your girlfriend's house at midnight with just you and her in her room, yeah, and all yeah. roommates are asleep. Like, right, you're you're setting yourself up for failure. So you want to do it in a way that there is isolation, there is intimacy, but not that it allows itself after that, which is the inevitable. You have that deep of a conversation. There is deep, deep connection.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and it's remembering like the the reason for sharing all these things is to say, hey, like I want to be open and honest about my past, but I also want to be careful about my future as well. I care yep, yep. enough about you, and 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 so you know, setting yourself up to like not fall in those ways. I think it's, it's critical,
1: right? This isn't something that you disclose to make yourself feel better. It's what is best for this other person.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Keeping the other person in mind. Um, all right. So going on to the next question, when it comes to guys, trying not to lust after women, how much responsibility lies on the guy and how much responsibility lies on the girl?
1: So this is a great question. I actually really like this yeah, question. Good. Um, and let me tell you why. And some of you are going to hear this and totally disagree with me, and that's fine. I think I'm right, um, or else I wouldn't say it. I think a hundred percent of it lies on the guy, and here's why: no one else is responsible for my holiness but me. Yep. Like I am the primary. I'm, I'm. I'm not only the primary. I'm the only person responsible for my holiness. I, nobody else is going to have to stand before God and give an account for how I looked at them because of how they mm. dressed. Like, yeah. that's just God's not going to say, "Oh man, you you're right." You know, I, I understand where you're coming from. You know, it, there's this sense that. I am responsible for my holiness. And part of it, too, is we don't live in a world—it it sounds good, and, and girls, don't get me wrong, like, you can be helpful in this. Like, yeah. the more—and I'm not, I'm not saying you need to join, like, Tallahassee Turtleneck Society, <laughs> but, you know, modesty is helpful. Yeah. As a guy, but it's not your responsibility. It is the guy's responsibility. It's a heart condition. You know, sure. it's this thing where I know that ultimately I'm the one that's gonna stand before God. And in two thousand eighteen, man, we also don't live in a world where it's possible to <laughs> not walk I mean, most of you guys who are listening to this go to Florida State and you know that at Florida State there's just a uh, Ton of folks who could care less about modesty, and so to kind of project it onto somebody else as their responsibility, I think is a is a while well intentioned mm-hmm. in thought of saying, "Hey, it's not just us." I think it's a it, it's a misappropriation of the responsibility of our personal mm. holiness because ultimately, I am accountable to Jesus
0: for yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. No, that's great, and it's. It, it, what I do think, you think? I mean, would you do you agree? Do you disagree? Or no, I totally agree. I think uh, it's super easy to look at outside circumstances, um, look at the situation you're in, or look at the people that are around you, and kind of blame those things for you know your, you know, lust or for your, uh, you falling into sexual sin, whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, like it's the world that we live in, you right, know, and right. like we're called to be not of this world and we're called to, to fight those temptations, you know, and, um, nobody said it was going to be easy, but right. we're responsible for it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at first Peter, you know, he, he actually reaches back to Leviticus and, and, uh, quotes as he says, Be holy therefore as I am holy. Yeah. This was in a setting where again we talked about this on Sunday. For us, the way, you know, some I'm 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 talking from a guy specific angle here. Yeah. This probably is true for girls as well, though girls, I don't know, like you look at this guy and he's got great hair, you know <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> quads. But yeah, it's quads. Man, what what wonderful forearms. Um <laughs> but uh <clears throat> he said this into a culture where legit Sex with a slave, sex with a prostitute, or sex with a concubine was not adultery. Like they lived in a, in a day and an age where the uh, level that you could be sexually immoral mm-hmm. and still have it be culturally okay was totally unprecedented to what we have and see now. And yeah. so, in that culture, he says nonetheless, be holy as I am holy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that same thing is true for us.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. So. Step it up, fellas. Step it up. Uh, all right. So last question. Um, I think this is a good one um, and a tricky one. But uh, So how do you tell real feelings from lust?
1: This is a really good question. <laughs> this is a really good question. And, and I actually had to think about this one for a little while. Well, yeah. I had to think about all of them for a little while, but especially this one, because it, it, there's such a th- fine line, it feels like, between yeah. these. Um, so let me... Before I say this is the difference, let me define those a little bit and and talk about what's natural. Um, Oftentimes in the Christian world, we're taught any level of attractiveness to another person is lustful,
0: Hmm.
1: which I don't think is true. Um, But I think it can easily become lustful, especially, uh, again, I'm going to talk specific to the guys on this, but especially with guys, it, it can be a very fine line. Um, So oftentimes we can feel like sexual desire in and of itself isn't good. Um, But I think that, right, you look at Genesis and God made that in the beginning. The first commandment, one of the first commandments he gives is, you know, be fruitful and multiply. And there's only one way to be fruitful and multiply. And it has its proper place. uh, But... um, I think it was made to be governed or regulated by two primary ideas. Um, One is honor towards the other person, uh, and the second one is holiness towards God. Mm. And so I think where, where a sense of, right, you can say, man, that person is a very attractive person, where that becomes lustful is, am I saying this, am I viewing them in a way that really is dishonoring to them, And also I have this deep sense of conviction that I'm I'm doing this out of a unrighteous desire, this, you know, sense of it's not honoring to this person at the same time. Uh, I'm really not living and looking and thinking holiness Mm. as I'm, uh, interacting or viewing this person. And I think that's true with both guys and girls right because attraction works works both ways. Yeah. And I think there is a there is a strong level where we were made and created to be attracted to you know people. You know, I mean the, the attraction is just kind of the law of the land and I think that that's fantastic in marriage right? Like hopefully husbands you're attracted to your wives and wives you're attracted to your husbands and there's this level of connection there. But am I dishonoring? Am I objectifying? Am I just thinking of this person in a sexual context? And am I doing it in a way that really, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm I'm really not doing this in that out of a holy, you know, posture. It's from a sense of, you know, selfishness and sinfulness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and I think it's, it's probably a, a, a steep slope there, you know, where like you have that desire, um, but it can quickly turn into lust yeah um, and so you have to really be careful there and be mindful there um, in those situations so um,
1: yeah as a, and as a as a kind of a, a definition because part of this right the desire everybody gets is this feeling of like kind of magnetic drawn to somebody mm-hmm. uh, I think the important thing in this is kind of understanding more of a, a technical definition of lust. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of from a compilation of verses, but the best I've heard it actually from uh, John Piper's uh, resource, Desiring God. Uh, and he says, lust is a sexual desire that dishonors its object and disregards God. Mm. And so I think as I look through that lens and say, this person that I'm looking at, this person that I'm thinking about, am I, am I dishonoring this person in the way I'm thinking? And am I disregarding God in the same way?
0: Yeah. I yeah, know. That's really good. Um, all right, well that that concludes uh, episode three of Asking for a Friend.
1: Awesome, knocked out four quick
0: ones. Man. I know, man. Fantastic. I like it. I like it. So, um, you guys keep the questions coming. Uh, you can send them in via Instagram at dcc tally, or you can email questions. Um, at dcctally.com. Um, we're going to keep this thing going. Um, I think you got one more week of the series, right? Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, it be good. It. Uh, any sneak peek for this coming up Sunday? <clears throat> no, nah, man, not yet. Not okay. yet. I'm,
1: not, 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 I'm not, <laughs> trying, not trying to tip my hand too quickly. I, I got
0: you. I got you. Um, awesome. Well, thank you guys for the questions. Um, hopefully, you guys are enjoying the podcast. As always, we love for you guys to share it, um, kind of help get the word out. We appreciate everybody that does that. Um, and you can also rate us on iTunes, I don't know if Spotify does a rating. I know a lot of people are on Spotify. I have absolutely no clue. Yeah. Um, But, however, you can help get the word out, and and we appreciate it. So, love you guys.
1: Have a great week. Yeah. Hey, we love you guys. Y'all stay safe in this storm.